0: Of radio.
1: You are listening to Texas History Lessons. A slow walk through Texas history made in Texas by a Texan for everyone, everywhere. Welcome to Texas History Lessons. I'm Michael. And this week we're going to be taking a look at this month in Texas history for February. We're going to time travel back and look at some important events. In Texas history, that happened in this shortest of months. February is a great month, especially since it's the third month of winter. And did you know February is the only month where it's possible to go the entire time without having a full moon? I did not know that. But it makes sense. 28 to 29 days, that could happen. And the odds of being born on February 29th apparently are about 1 in 1,461. Some important days to celebrate in February are February 1st is Ice Cream for Breakfast Day. Of course, Groundhog Day is the second. In Mexico, it's Constitution Day on the third. And on the third, it's also National Frozen Yogurt Day. Of course, you can't forget Valentine's Day on the 14th, and especially significant is Random Acts of Kindness Day on the 17th, so keep that in mind as you go through this short month. February is, in Catholic tradition, the month of purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Interesting side note, February came from the Latin name and word for the month of February. That meant purification. It's also American Heart Month, National Bird Feeding Month, National Children's Dental Health Month, and it's especially important since we're here because of our interest in history that it is also Black History Month. So let's go back. We're going to time travel back first to February 20th, 1685, and let's begin by traveling down to the beautiful Gulf Coast where you can visit the Rusty Cast Iron Matagorda Island Lighthouse that was constructed in 1852 to guide ships into Matagorda Bay. And if you do visit amongst the deer, the alligator, all the different bird species that are down there with the mangrove trees, you will be standing near the site where on February 20th, 1685, La Salle, and his French colonists, having missed the mouth of the Mississippi River, set foot on land for the first time in three months since leaving St. Domingue. It was there that they set up a temporary campsite before being led on the ill-fated attempt at colonization that led to most of their deaths. One person that was there and survived and wrote his observations down Describe his first views of Texas. His name was Henri Jutel. Forgive me. Again, pronunciation is not my best thing in the world, but I do my best. He wrote, the country did not seem very favorable to me. It was flat and sandy, but did nevertheless produce grass. There were several salt pools, we hardly saw any wild fowl except some cranes and Canadian geese, which were not expecting us. The Karankawa were also not expecting them. And all but fifteen of the two hundred colonists were dead within five years, as was the leader LaSalle. Despite his ineptitude, LaSalle's ventures did give France a claim ...to Texas and opened up the Mississippi River Valley to development. Several years later, and many, many miles away from Matagorda Island... ...John Quincy Adams, son of President John Adams and future President of the United States himself... ...signed a treaty with Spain that renounced the U.S. claim to Texas on February 22, 1819. Luis Dionis signed on behalf of Spain... And known as the adams on Treaty, it is especially significant in that in it, Spain ceded all the lands of the Spanish Crown located east of the Mississippi, known as the Floridas, not just the state of Florida, but all the lands they called the Floridas, to the United States. Significant to Texas, it established the western boundary of Louisiana Purchase as beginning at the mouth of the Sabine River and running along its south and west bank to the 32nd parallel and thence directly north to the Red River. However, Spain delayed ratification of the Adams-on-East Treaty until 1821, the year that Mexico declared independence. And after that, Mexico refused to recognize the treaty down the line. Now, Mexico could refuse to recognize the Adams-on-East Treaty as much as they wanted, because we know what happens next. Most of you are aware that San Antonio was home first to several Colveteicum bands that lived in the area, which led the Spanish establishment of Mission San Antonio de Valero in 1718. It was secularized in the 1790s and became the base for the original Texas Rangers, the Compania Volante, or Flying Company, of San Carlos de Palos, also known as the Alamo de Palos Company. They were mounted men mounted warriors on horseback like the Rangers that traveled the frontier um, for the protection of the, of the settlers there. And they were um, a basis or the first earlier version of what would become when the Anglos moved in Texas Rangers. And since then, the name Alamo began to be used for the site of mission San Antonio de Valero to the chagrin of many people. Now one man Nepo Musino Navarro a disillusioned private in the Spanish military he'd been transferred to the Alamo de Paris company and which was at one time stationed at Fort Tenochtitlan which was a garrison near the Brazos River he didn't like it there any better he had several counts of where he deserted and got brought back but They were so so staffed, apparently, and everybody knew it was really a military assignment that he seemed to always get away with it. The company returned to the Presidio in San Antonio in 1832, and during the political disorder over the next few years, Navarro cast his lot on February 22, 1836 with Juan Seguin's Company of Tejanos. Seguin's Company, with Navarro in arms, served as rear guard for General Sam Houston's army and Navarro fought with Seguin at the Battle of San Jacinto. He lived until 1877. Now, I'm unaware of any connection to the great Tejano leader, Jose Antonio Navarro of of San Antonio, but if I find it, or you can inform me if there is an actual relation, let me know. Two days after Navarro cast his lot with the Texan Revolution, William Barrett Travis, commanding officer at the besieged Alamo, put to paper the letter that has been immortalized in Texas mythology. On February 24, 1836, he wrote, To the people of Texas and all Americans in the world, I call on you in the name of liberty, of patriotism, and everything dear to the American character to come to our aid with all dispatch. Reinforcements did arrive, having heard his call. And if you recall... Travis also famously swore victory or death. And as we know, he and the men he led and had been reinforced by, they received death. And Travis was the one of the first ones apparently to die on March 6th. Whether Travis and his men died in vain is a matter of debate, but the result of their revolution is not. Houston defeated Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana at the Battle of San Jacinto, and had him sign two treaties. Texas lived on for years as an independent republic, while the nation of Mexico refused to acknowledge the validity of the treaties signed by Santa Ana. The Republic of Texas did not have an easy time of it, and to the relief of many and to the disappointment of others that dreamed of a Texas empire someday, on February 19, 1846, the Republic of Texas officially relinquished its control to the first legislature of the state of Texas. President Jones, Anson Jones, gave his final speech as president of Texas in which he said, the lone star of Texas has culminated and following an inscrutable destiny has passed on and become fixed forever in that glorious constellation which all free men must reverence and adore the American Union. The final act in this great drama is now performed. The Republic of Texas is no more. And according to Stephen Harrigan in his recent great book on Texas history, as the flag was being lowered, the flagpole broke and Sam Houston caught the flag before it hit the ground. But As we all know, also, this love affair with the Union did not last long. (laughs) As a state, Texas wasn't even old enough to get her driver's license before things went bad. On February 23, 1861, following the state's secession convention, the people of Texas voted on a referendum to secede from the Union. The vote was 46,153 for secession and 14,747 against 18 of the 122 counties that voted against secession and 11 others cast as much as 40% against. 75% of voters sided with keeping the enslaved 30% of the state's population that didn't get to vote. They voted to keep them in servitude. To give it a closer look, consider that 46,153 people that decided the fate of the state's population of 604,215. 421,649 were free, and 182,566 were held in bondage as slaves. Then the war that followed brought them emancipation. Now, one of those enslaved in Texas at that time was a man named Walter Moses Burton. Thomas Burke Burton brought Burton, Walter Moses, to Texas from North Carolina in 1850 when Walter was 21 years old. They settled and lived in Fort Bend County near Houston, kind of to the southeast, I believe. But unlike a lot of slave owners of the time, Thomas Burton taught Walter how to read and write and Fort Bend was one of the six majority black counties in Texas in the 1850s and by 1860 the slave population totaled 4127 more than twice that of the 2100 excuse me 2016 whites. After the war Thomas sold Walter several large plots of land and Walter Moses Burton thrived. In 1869 he became the first black sheriff not only in Texas, but in the United States, to be elected. He also served as tax collector and president of the Fort Bend County Union League. He ran for the Texas Senate in 1873, and after having the election contested on February 20th, 1874, the Texas Senate confirmed that his election was valid, and he became a senator to the Texas Senate. He served in the Senate from 1874 to 1875 and from 1876 to 1882. He was very active in championing the education of blacks and his efforts helped get Prairie View Normal School, now Prairie View A&M University established in 1876. It was the first state supported institution of higher learning for African-Americans in Texas. Walter Moses Brown died in 1913 and Mr. Burton was the last African-American elected to the Texas Senate until Barbara Jordan's election in 1966. He was also the last black sheriff of Fort Bend County until this past November 3rd, 2020, when Eric Fagan was elected and he took office January 1st, 2021 as the second black sheriff in the history of Fort Bend County. Now, on February 26, 1946, 70 years after Walter Moses Burton helped pass legislation creating Prairie View A and M, Heman Sweat, whose father had graduated from Prairie View in 1880, met with a delegation from the NAACP in Austin, Texas, and then went down to the University of Texas campus, where he presented a formal request for admission to the university's law school to University of Texas President. Theophilus S. Painter, and other university officials. He was, of course, not admitted, being black, and Texas had a policy of segregation. And it was verified that he could not go after the Attorney General of the state of Texas ruled to uphold the state's policy of segregation. The legal battle that followed led to the landmark case of Sweat versus Painter, 339-US-629, in nineteen fifty. In which the United States Supreme Court ruled that Sweat and other black candidates could not be denied admission to the law school based on race. This was a successful challenge to the separate but equal doctrine of racial segregation established in 1896 by the famous case of Plessy versus Ferguson. Sweat versus Painter was also an influential case that played a factor in the landmark case of brown versus board of education in 1954 in which the united states supreme court ruled that us state laws establishing racial segregation in public schools were unconstitutional even if the segregated schools were otherwise equal in quality sweat did register in september 1950 to university of texas law school but health problems prevented him from finishing he did go on and have a successful career as an activist and as a worker and other projects. And in 2005, the Travis County Courthouse in Austin was renamed the Heman Marion Sweat Travis County Courthouse. That's going to do it for this week and this month, a short episode for a short month. Uh, actually I'm just saving up I don't want to make too long of an episode for this Um, there's going to be lots of things we'll talk about in the future next February saving some back and I want you to remember have a good month Uh, remember that random act of kindness day later in the month and I want to thank everybody for listening I want to thank all the new listeners that I've noticed that are, are catching up to us here And I want to thank um, my Patreon supporters, Jay and Ron, Kay, Tim, and another new one, Josh. Thanks a lot. It means a lot. And as a little bit of a heads up, we're starting a new feature on Texas History Lessons where we're going to have a spotlight artist of the musical artist of the month. And this month is going to be a gentleman named Jared Flushy there'll be a link to him in the show notes and I'll be putting the links up on the website go check his music out on Spotify and to give you a little taste I'm going to be ending the show with one of his songs and then in the near future we're going to have a musical history episode in which we'll focus on more of his career and projects that he's worked on again thanks for listening adios
0: If it ain't one of these days. Sins, I ain't counting. Let us sort it out up there. Losing her is something I couldn't afford I'm gonna figure it out one of these days I can run away if I can run away I don't want to burn You got some demons that you ain't getting away from. There's water under the bridge, and these sins I ain't counting. Let them sort it out up there on the